This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to Bet and Breakfast, a podcast from BetSided. Hey, does anybody want coffee? Who wants coffee? It's sports betting for everyone. I'm here to tell you today that the New York Yankees season is done. Stick a fork in them, it's over. Lamar Jackson, I can't believe he's that low on the list that he's my bet for sure at this point in the season. Early leans, best bets, props, parlays. If you can bet it, we've got it. I'm taking the over on this. If you look at the last five games, this is a game waiting for points to be scored. Tom Brady, I think everyone's heard of him. If Brady puts up the numbers, they have the 10th easiest schedule the rest of the way. Get in, get out, and you're ready to go. I think they're going to have to give him the award if Dallas ends up locking up this division and possibly even that number one seed. And here are your hosts, Ben Heisler, Ian McMillan, Peter Dewey, Donovan Smoot, and Reed Wallet. What comes before anything? What have we always said is the most important thing? Breakfast family. I thought you meant the things you need. What's up, people? It's Bet and Breakfast on a Monday before Thanksgiving. The usual Monday crew is here of Peter Dewey, Reed Wallach, and myself, Ben Heisler. Gents, it's good to see you. Got a bunch on the show today. We will, of course, have our early leans for week 12 in the NFL, starting with, of course, the Thursday slate. We'll have a full breakdown of those games coming up on this week's later bet and breakfast so you guys are going to want to stick around for that we will also go through our best bets for monday night got it nice and spread out today we got reed looking at college hoops peter of course has the nba and i'm looking at a total in the matchup for monday night football tonight but guys we're going to talk about this a little bit later on over at Betsided. uh the overreactive nature of the nfl is already starting to find its way up further and further and further uh, look no further than the talks of Jonathan Taylor as an MVP candidate after his five touchdown game against Buffalo. And and I will commend Jonathan Taylor. Like we talked about it on this very podcast. I had mentioned that Jonathan Taylor, every time he runs for over 80 yards, the Colts are 11 and 0. They're now 12 and 0 in those games. And sure enough, they just beat the hell out of the Buffalo Bills. But are, are we losing our collective minds here? If Derrick Henry can't win an MVP after last year, Jonathan Taylor's not winning an MVP. Like, right, I, Reed, I know you're fully on board of yeah. moving away from everybody that's just <laughs> on the Jonathan Taylor MVP bandwagon. This is silly. Yeah, I I went to Wisconsin. I watched Jonathan Taylor run all over the Big Ten, all over. Ever. Like, I love Jonathan Taylor. doesn't mean he's an MVP candidate. I mean, this is a quarterback award. I mean, the culture is six and five now. And I get Jonathan Taylor, he's likely going to win the rushing title. Maybe Offensive Player of the Year is an apt award for him, but not MVP. What are we doing here? Are you on board with this, Peter? Are you willing to shake things up a little bit and make it interesting? No, I I can't. It's almost like it's not even a knock on Jonathan Taylor because he's having a great year. The Colts aren't that good. Like if they they were like a guaranteed playoff, like if they were running away with the AFC South right now, like I guess you could make the argument like he's the best player on arguably one of the best teams of football. They're not even first place in the division. They're like barely hanging on to like staying in the playoff picture. I I like he can have as great a year as he wants. But Ben, you make a great point. Like if Derrick Henry wasn't going to win it last year, you cannot tell me that Jonathan Taylor deserves to win it this year. You're right. Now, Credit to NFL.com because they sent out from their communication staff some insane stats. And I'm not going to give you all of them because you'll have to find that a little bit later on today over at BetSided. But he ran for 204 scrimmage yards on Sunday, 185 rushing, 19 receiving, five touchdowns, and the Colts 41-15 to win against Buffalo. Just 
keep this insane in mind. Stats. Insane, yeah. insane stats. <laughs> These are unbelievable. So he's 22. He's the third player under the age of 23 with at least five touchdowns in a single game, joining Clinton Portis back in December of 2003 and Gale Sayers. And he's the fifth player all time with four rushing touchdowns and one receiving touchdown in the same game, joining Sean Alexander. Abner Haynes back in 1961. Uh, shout out to uh, our guy, Brian, who, who knows a thing or two about Abner Haynes. I'm, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Doug Jones, Gail Sayers, all on that list. So he's, he's joining some pretty elite company. There's another stat with him and Ladanian Tomlinson. There's another one with him and Adrian Peterson. Like the stats are very impressive, but we would all agree collectively, right? That if Derrick Henry didn't win the award last year after 2,000 yards rushing in a league that no longer supports the 2000 yard rusher let alone a 1500 yard rusher because that's where dalvin cook was right around he's not getting it this year i'm surprised jamal charles wasn't on that list ben of like the things that uh jonathan taylor did jamal charles i it was a long time ago now but he had one of those monster like 50 point fantasy games back in the day and i'm surprised he's not on that list you know doubt about it you almost have to give it to the Colts offensive line if we're talking JT MVP. I mean, he's a product of the system, right? Like a running back is only as good as his offensive line. So, again, I don't see it. it might, it's one man's award to lose, and it's number 12 for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's his right, award. So, it's Tom Brady's award to lose. All right, so let, let's talk about this award to lose because uh, Reed was puffing his chest a little bit when we were listening to the Open today because uh, you can hear the clip of Reed talking about Tom Brady as his MVP pick. And this was several weeks ago when you still had a very crowded field. Now, the numbers are still yet to be determined over at WinBet, but we should know them a little bit later on. But I, I want to sort of provide this hypothetical for you guys, for our listeners. I'm curious to see where you guys are at. Get a $100 free bet to an MVP. Are you going with the favorite? Are you going with somebody like Brady? Are you sticking with your pick, Reed? Or are you maybe going for a little bit more of an outside shot? Maybe a Lamar Jackson. Maybe Patrick Mahomes is starting to move his way up. Remember, guys, Mahomes a couple weeks ago was 75-1 to 1 over at WinBet to win the MVP. And now he's probably going to come out maybe closer to 10-1, to 12-1, to 1, maybe even lower than that. So are you going for value or are you going for the sheer, I feel like this guy's going to be in the conversation all week long? And Reed, I'll start with you. Getting the free bet makes me want to look at someone like Mahomes, maybe Rodgers, yeah. but it, it's it's Brady. He has a clear, clear path to run away with this award. If the Bucks get a top two seed in the NFC, Brady's going to lead the league in passing yards and passing touchdowns, and he has the easy narrative. He's 44 years old, his final MVP season. I think he's only won like three, which it feels like he should win more by now. It's Tom Brady. So like a final, almost like legacy award for Brady – um, I think he's going to come out of the favorite after this week, assuming they beat the Giants as favorites. So, again, this is Brady's award to lose. So, I'm going with the I'm going to go with the guy that's going to win, and it's Tom Brady. What about you, Pete? I'm, I'm going Patrick Mahomes. Ben, you and I have been on this train since he was back at like you said, 75 to one. Like I, I, I think the narrative. I agree with Reed. The narrative is there for Brady. The narrative is there for Patrick Mahomes. If they go and they win out and they win the AFC, or if they finish 12 and five and they come in one of the top two seeds in the AFC, like. What's the reason why? It's Patrick Mahomes. Like, he's going to throw 40, 45 touchdowns. He's going to throw for 5,000 yards. Like, the numbers will be there. And the fact that everybody was writing Kansas City is dead and gone, you know, seven, eight weeks into the season to then they potentially could win the AFC. Like, the narrative's there for him as well. And, like, the fact that they've gone from where they were, you know, three, four weeks ago to now they, like, have the AFC West in the, the palm of their hand at this point, it, it's it's actually kind of wild. And he, he's going to be the reason why. So, that would be my bet because I just think there's so much value in it. 
I'm curious to see whether or not the Chiefs defense holds up because I think part of the argument for Mahomes was, well, he's going to have to win you every game because the Chiefs defense is gone. He, he hasn't been. They've been substantially better over the last week, and especially that performance against Dallas. Granted, they were without Amari Cooper. C.D. Lamb ended up leaving that game with a concussion. But the, the Chiefs' defense is monumentally better, and I think it was the second time this year that he didn't throw for a touchdown pass. So there's something to be considered about, even though Mahomes is kind of hanging around and the Chiefs go on a run, he's going to be in consideration. But let me reintroduce you guys to Justin Herbert. We talked about guys putting on a show on Sunday night. Mahomes did it last week. You got to admit that Justin Herbert did it last night. And if the Chargers somehow, because I, I made a joke the other night on Twitter that, you know, it's the Chargers and the Raiders just giving it back to Kansas City. Like they had the division. It was their division. The Chiefs had given up on it. And the Chiefs were like, you know what? We don't, we, we kind of want it back. You know, samesies, takesies back, whatever they, they stay in preschool anymore. I don't know. My son has come up with the line. Like they're taking the division back. But the Chargers, had every opportunity to blow that game yesterday. They didn't do it. And so now I wonder if Justin Herbert, you might be getting him on the wrong side of the value, but compared to everybody else, he's still an afterthought. And if the Chargers win that division, guys, I think you're looking at Justin Herbert, who started the season as a top three MVP candidate. I, I think that's possibly a value play that not a lot of people are considering today. What do you think? Eh, I don't I don't hate it. I think, I don't know if I believe in the Chargers enough to bet Justin Herbert, but I see the logic behind your bet i i could see i could get behind at least like the reasoning behind it all right you the, see the, char- see the wheels turning the yeah chargers defense similar to mahomes almost like the chargers defense is going to have to step up to allow justin herbert because like justin herbert's been fantastic but the defense they almost lost them the game last night so like, it's, that's you gotta, I, don't, I don't know if i could get behind the chargers as like a contender a team, enough that's the hard that's yeah that's yeah. the hard part is can, can the team be good enough so justin herbert can win mvp it's, it's one of the few uh, futures bets within the division that's still fairly competitive. Like, it's still the Chiefs to lose, but mm. the Chargers are still hanging around. It's like minus 165 last time I looked. Chiefs were minus 105 in that division. So they're they're there. It's just a matter of being able to move forward, have a solid second-half schedule. Remember, if they beat Kansas City, that's a huge tiebreaker in that division. They already beat them at Arrowhead this year. So something else Mm -hmm. to to be able to consider as well. Let's uh, let's dive into some early leans for the week. We, of course, have the three games on Thanksgiving, a ton of college football sprinkled out anywhere from Thursday to Friday through the rest of Saturday as well. Uh, So let's uh, let's go around the horn here. Peter, I'll start with you taking a look at the slate for NFL, for college football. We always love doing this on Mondays because we like to get the lines where we feel like they're going to be at its best value. So tell me the team, tell me the matchup that you're going to dive in on the earlier side this week. Yeah, Ben, I'm looking at the Carolina Panthers. They're plus one right now against the Miami Dolphins on the road. I think this line's actually going to move where Carolina closes as the favorite, to be honest with you. And I'm selling high on the Dolphins in this spot. I know they've won three games in a row. It's come against three of the worst defenses in the NFL. The New York Jets and the Baltimore Ravens have the two worst yards per play defenses in the NFL, and the Houston Texans are sixth. Like, I don't believe in this Miami offense. They still average the second least yards per play in the NFL. Like, this team is not good. They they were getting them as a favorite. Like, the fact that they're a favorite is crazy to me. Like, they beat the Jets, and they barely beat the Jets on Sunday. So, I'm, I'm out on the Dolphins. I think the Panthers, their defense has been second in the league in yards per play. They've been really good all year. I know they got beat up a little bit by Washington um, this week, but I, 
I just I think their offense is better with Cam Newton under center than it's been all year. Christian McCaffrey looks healthy. I will gladly take them as an underdog. I would play them like all the way through almost anything under three, like as favorites. I, this is just no way that I'm backing the Dolphins in this game. I think that makes a lot of sense. I, I liked Washington this week just because I felt like the line was slightly overvalued for Carolina with Cam coming back, but. Uh, there was a noticeable difference within that offense, being able to get things moving. It looked like the early season Panthers where they were finally hitting receivers in stride. They were taking some chances downfield. There was more of a threat. Uh, so I'm with you. I like the Panthers and I like the fact that you can get them as underdogs right now. That line is definitely going to move. Uh, mm-hmm. Reed, I, I know that uh, you're going back to the college football. Well, uh, between Notre Dame and Stanford for this game. Who do you like? Yeah, I've been having really good weeks with college football. NFL last week, not my week at all. Completely washed away the big college football week. So we're going to stick with what's working, college football. And hey, look, I make numbers on every game. And sometimes when I'm way off on an opener, I like kind of go back in and look. But this one just really jumped out at me. Notre Dame is minus 18 against Stanford. These are two teams in just polar opposite regions of who wants to play and who doesn't. This is Notre Dame's last regular season game. They're trying to get into the back door of the college football playoff. So they're looking to run it off. They've been their last three opponents in fear of competition, 119 to nine. I mean, they have just been stomping teams. They won wow. 55 to nothing last week. Stanford, on the other hand, they just lost at home to three and six Cal with their starting quarterback back from injury, 41 to 11. They are done. They're, they're three and eight. Their season's over. Um, they've lost a combined 128 to 32 over their last three games. They have no interest in playing. Notre Dame is about to go to Stanford and just beat the beat the snot off of them. They're going to run them off the field. I made this line about 26. Notre Dame minus 26. So I'm willing to go all the way up to three touchdowns with this one. I think Notre Dame puts up another big number on Stanford. And, you know, the Irish are going to hope for a little bit more chaos to get in maybe that fourth spot in the college football playoff. All right. I never thought to myself that I would be ready to pounce on a minus 18 line. But I, I think when you compare it and set it up that way, that it's actually – a full touchdown less plus a two point conversion based on your projections yeah. that certainly has my attention and again, I, don't that, like, I i don't feel like that's like when i usually am like okay maybe i just like missed something here but looking at like the actual optics of the game especially nowadays like with the quit factor last week of the season who wants to be there notre dame wants to put up a big number they want right. to embarrass stanford so i like notre dame anything under three touchdowns all right, I like the play. I, I think I'm going to go back to the NFL for this one. I, I'm just convinced this line is going to move, and I don't know if it's necessarily reflective of whether or not I think it's the the right number or not, but I do think there's value there. Um, and there's also the question of whether or not CeeDee Lamb is going to play or not. Most likely he's out. Um, the, the Cowboys are going to bounce back this week, back at home against the Raiders. I know that there's a, a intriguing trend to fade home teams during thanksgiving for road teams it's a business trip for home teams they have the distraction of playing in the middle of the week during thanksgiving but uh, cowboys coming off that loss to kansas city are going to be motivated to turn things around they've played much better at home but i i think the raiders performance second straight game that they've been blown out at home by 21 plus points guys this number for the cowboys regardless of whether cd lamb plays or not is going to go up I, it'd be stunning to me if this doesn't close it around maybe minus eight and a half or not, or even nine, because they're such a public team. Pete, Pete would know something about public <laughs> teams, so maybe I should be asking you as public Pete. Um, it also did feel like the Chiefs defense may have legitimately turned the corner and they're looking like the Super Bowl contender that we anticipated. Um, so for them to go on the road, for Prescott not to have two of his best weapons for, you know, good portion of the game without a Cooper, without Lamb. I, I just don't think it said that much about the Cowboys offense. I, I think this is the right number, even without Lamb. But I do think regardless, 
that number is going to climb. So I like getting on Dallas on the earlier side. Go ahead, Reed. No, I agree. I think this number is staying, you know, above a touchdown. Touchdown or better, or touchdown or higher, I should say. I think, um, especially with the way the Raiders have looked the past few weeks, uh, definitely a team that is not going to, in my opinion, receive much uh, backing. Also, we didn't, we didn't talk about this on, on our list, but something we'll write about, and actually something I, I, we covered a little bit earlier in the week over at BetSided. Uh, the Eagles' schedule down the stretch might be amongst the easiest in the league if you're looking at some potential futures there. Uh, they play the Cowboys, but it's not until Week 18, and, and Dallas should have that division wrapped up within the next couple of weeks. So uh, one other matchup to possibly consider moving forward. All right. Let's get to best bets. Let's go around the horn. Reed, I'll start with you for this one. We got college basketball, we got NBA, and we got a play on the total for Monday night football between the Giants and the Bucks. Mm-hmm. And the Bucks are an 11 point home favorite. If that feels like a lot, it's because the Bucks are averaging over 40 points per game at home. We'll get to that in a second. But Reed, I start with you. College hoops on a Monday. We got these little mini tournaments going on. And take us through the bet that you like the most. Yeah, I like uh, seeing Hall uh, money line against Ohio State around like minus 120-ish. Um, they, seeing Hall went to Ann Arbor last week and beat Michigan. Not a fluke in my opinion. Ton of experience on this roster. Ton of size. Tyree Samuel, their big man. He's going to match up with EJ Liddell for Ohio State. Give him trouble. Liddell is really their all-encompassing forward. He does it all. Um, he was great against Xavier last week in a loss. And Ohio State's trying to integrate in a new point guard, Jamari Wheeler from Penn State. And it hasn't really went that well. Uh, Seen Hall has the perimeter defense to force Ohio State off the line and size to stifle them inside. I just think Hall's the better team. It's on a neutral court, so I'll take the cheap price and play Seen Hall to win this one outright. All right, Pete, who do you got in the uh, in the association tonight? Yeah, guys, had a nice nice start to the week after a horrible week, week last week. Was 2-1, almost had the Knicks cover, which would have been a nice 3-0. But I'm looking to the Timberwolves-Pelicans game tonight. And I'm taking the Timberwolves minus three. I mean, two real quick. One not-so-hot take and one hot take. One, the Pelicans stink without Zion Williamson, so I'm fading them every single night that he is not until he comes back. (laughs) Two, Anthony Edwards is here, man. Like, he is year two here, averaging 22.5 a game already. Just he looks very polished as a scorer already. I'm surprised that his efficiency has been up this year because I figured he was going to get more shots and we might see that dip early in the season. But he's been really good. And the Timberwolves have been really good over their last four. They've covered in four straight. Their only loss in those three in those four games came to the Suns by three. And the Suns have looked like one of the best teams in the NBA to start this year. And they've moved themselves from 28th in the league in offensive rating to 20th over the past week. So their offense is clicking. They just hung 138 points on the Grizzlies on Saturday. His team is trending up. They're playing a bad Pelicans team, even with Brandon Ingram back. I, I don't trust the Pelicans. I know they beat the Clippers um, in their last game, but this, this team is, is just not, not good at all. And the big thing for me is Minnesota's defense is very underrated. They're top 10. Normally we're used to Timberwolves being horrible. They're a good defense, and the Pelicans have the 26th offense. This game is going to be a blowout, I think, for Minnesota. I love them at minus three. Wow, yeah, especially when you consider everything there. Uh, and don't forget, too, and a good point by you, Reed, that the Pelicans are 7-11 against the spread over the course of the season. So factor in Minnesota on the rise, covering in a lot of games. The Pelicans have been under 500 substantially. Uh, so far, like both of these, I might, uh, we might have to add it to the show card. We'll see whether or not you guys agree with mine uh, in the NFL. But I- I'm going to go with the over in tonight's Monday Night Football game between the Giants and the Bucks. There's something to be said, as I mentioned, about Tampa Bay playing at home. And normally in primetime games, you 
you tend to fade Brady against the spread. He's actually been substantially under 500 over this last run, but he's also been very good against the spread coming off a bye. We mentioned the fact that the Bucks are dropping over 40 a game at home. And for as putrid as the Giants have been on offense, they're actually scoring a decent amount of points on the road. Their best offensive performances have come on the road. We also know about the Daniel Jones splits, a substantially better player away from MetLife Stadium. Bruce Arians has an outstanding record against the spread as a 13-7 and in his over-under record over the course of his coaching career in Tampa Bay as a home favorite. So everything is kind of lining up for both teams to put up some points. And Saquon Barkley is going to be back. They're not going to be able to run the ball in Tampa Bay. No one, frankly, can. But Barkley can still catch passes. Kadarius Tony can stretch the field. Giants, for I think a lot of people kind of look at them and think this is just about as bad of an offense as you can have. But there are weapons on this team, and they've started to see a little bit more of Kenny Galladay in the mix as well. So I think even if they put up, you know, 17 points, considering what the Bucs have done at home with that type of number – you know, they average 40, drop it down to you know, 34, 34 to 17 still has the overhead. And that's how it's all playing out in my head. But I think <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. I think you'll see some points in this game, back-to-back primetime games where the over will hit. So there you have it, guys. That is our best bets for Monday. Full show of Bet and Breakfast. Again, if you missed any part of it, you can go back here on YouTube, watch the video, or you can download the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. So appreciate you guys waking up with us. For Peter, for Reed, I think I'm pointing in the right place. I'm Ben. <laughs> if we don't talk to you guys, have a great Thanksgiving. Otherwise, we'll see you back here on the podcast a little bit later on this week. So long, everybody. Have a great rest of your Monday, and may all of your bets hit. 